Go ahead, have a seat. Uh, you can give today if you're prepared for it. Uh, there's an offering box right there past the info table. Uh, you can also scan the code that's on uh, your homepage as, uh, as you came today. Thanks so much for being here with us today. We are in week two of House Rules. This is not our bio. This is not everything about us. This is that sheet that my wife and I leave for the babysitter uh, with just the bare bones stuff you need to know. Something happens, call 911. Kids not breathing, call 911. If you need a relative who's not us, call them. This is like a what to do in case of emergency thing. For us, these are. this is going to be week two of four things that really matter to us. Last week, we looked at the fact that everything that we have from God is fully undeserved. We are served graciously so we can turn around and serve others gracefully, that we can give out of what we do not deserve towards those uh, who don't deserve it because we didn't deserve it first. And today, we're looking at some things that Jesus said that are absolutely exclusive to him. They're absolutely exclusive to him. Nobody else on earth can say them except for Jesus. And for all of us, there are things in our lives where only certain people can say those things. There are certain statements that everyone can say to you. There are some that only a few people can say to you because otherwise it'd be fully inappropriate. It'd be offensive. It's just not where we're going. And I got to step into one of those moments on Wednesday. I have never been in my 39 and almost a half years of living uh, the type of guy to drive down the street, see someone I like, roll down the window, honk, and yell something. Never. That's gross. Don't do that. Um, Wednesday, that changed. I was going to pick up Eden, uh, my oldest from the exchange. That's our uh, 6th to 12th grade ministry that meets at uh, Wednesday nights at the Ashland Fowler campus. It is awesome. She loves it. I'm glad that she loves it because that's where I came from. Uh, And my wife, Anna, was out on the sidewalk talking to one of our friends. And this is the moment where I got to drive down the street, see somebody pretty, roll down my window and say, hey, girl, you look good. You're coming to my house tonight, which was 100% true. And I am the only one who can say that. Anything beyond that would end in me borrowing guns from someone uh, and it would not end well for them or for me because I don't have a clue what I'm doing. (laughs) But we're going to look at something that Jesus says today, that if anybody else said it, they'd be canceled. They'd be immediately written off. But because Jesus says it, for those of us who are Christians, we grab onto this. This is our hope in the midst of everything else. That because Jesus says this, the rest of our lives, the rest of everything else is viewed differently. And other people have tried to say it, and other people have tried to say, this is actually who I am when it's actually not. But Jesus is the one who can say these things and then back them up. So we're going to be in John chapter 14. Last week, we were in John 13. So we're just slowly marching our way uh, through four chapters that changed everything. It's Jesus' last night with his guys. And this is his house rules. This isn't his whole story. This isn't answering every single question there ever is to know. This is Jesus with his guys for that moment when everything everything else in life breaks. When that breaks, these are Jesus's house rules. And so the first thing that Jesus says to us, the first thing he says through his message to his guys is that he's going to give us hope that does not ignore trouble. He's going to give us hope that doesn't ignore trouble. John 14, 1, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus here is promising future. He's promising peace. He's promising safety uh, after a really difficult discussion. He's saying in the midst of everything else in your life, in your society, in your world, that's going to go bad. You can trust in me. And because this is Jesus saying this and not some political figure, not somebody else, he can actually back it up. And what he says in here, I think gives us hope because he doesn't excuse trouble. He doesn't say if you're going to have trouble, that means that somewhere along the way you messed up and this is you being punished. 
This is the son of God talking to his closest people saying, in the future, you are going to have problems. Every single person who was in the room that night died in some way because they were connected to Jesus. Not of old age, but they died horrible deaths because they were connected to Jesus. He's saying trouble is part of the journey. And Jesus himself is going to experience this because the best possible person experienced the worst possible death. The best possible person experienced the worst possible death. So Jesus can look at this and say, I'm going to give you hope that doesn't ignore trouble. He continues verse two. He says, there's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. He's saying this is the answer to our hope that, that doesn't ignore trouble. Is that for everyone who believes in Jesus. And if you're here and you don't yet believe in Jesus, this gives us a, a lens into why we believe so much about what we do and the way that we do things in so many other areas of our life is to know that this life where we are now is temporary. That lets us see everything else totally differently is because this life is temporary. And Jesus is guaranteeing that. He's reminding his people of this. For, for Jesus followers, this means that we can run into bad situations. We can run into hostile places knowing that we might not come out on our own. We might come out on a stretcher or on a body bag. And his answer for this is because you have an eternity that's waiting for you. That's better. Jesus says, verse four, and you will know the way where I'm going. And one of his people immediately, it's a guy named Thomas, a guy who wants assurance, a guy who wants answers. says, no, we don't know, Lord. We have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? He asks a question. You know, that's what we want in the middle of questions, in the middle of difficulty. We ask God questions and here Jesus responds. Jesus answers because Jesus gives us answers that don't ignore our questions. The answer that Jesus gives is something that's huge, something that's foundational for us, something that we build our lives as Christians, as Jesus followers on. And saying this in 2020 doesn't equate to to something that's easy. What Jesus says in a little bit is difficult. What Jesus says is controversial. And so Jesus answers Thomas. He says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. It's perfect. Thomas asks a big question and Jesus gives a big foundational, life-changing, deep response. First thing he says is, I'm the way. Jesus is saying, this is the way that God chose to be made right with people who do wrong. It's through Jesus living the life that we could never live, dying the death that we deserve to die so that we could have a relationship with God, our Father. That he takes all of our sin upon himself, all of our sin, all of every human to ever live, he takes our sin upon himself so we could be made right with God. And he says, I am the only way. It's the definite article there. He says, I am the way, not a way. I'm not a selection. I'm not an option like you're at a salad bar. He says, I am the way. And we live in a culture where that's a really difficult thing to say because everybody's allowed their own truth. Everybody's allowed their own explanation for that. And when it comes to matters of faith, that doesn't work. Part of the reason why that doesn't work is what's part of every single worldview and every single faith is the idea that there are things that Jesus says that are unique to him where he says that he's God with skin on, where he says he's going to die for the sins of all humanity and be risen from the dead three days later. Not everybody can be right on that. What Jesus does is he says all these things about himself and then he backs it up completely. 
the idea to say all roads lead to heaven and preach tolerance, that isn't tolerant. It's not tolerant of truth claims that Jesus makes. And this means that there are going to be times where us as Bible believing, Jesus following people, if we believe this book, if we live the lives of the people who are in this, we're going to be at odds with people in our culture because we're going to flat out do things differently. There's a snake. The media team is going to put a picture of it. It's called a green mamba. It's like Kobe, but it's more environmentally friendly. So it's the green mamba instead of the black mamba. And, uh, and if you get bit by that thing, you die in 19 seconds or 19 minutes. So you've got a 19 minute window to get the anti-venom in you or else it's four people carrying you out. And it's not a point of, of us saying, you know what, I don't really like the anti-venom. I'd like to have something else. My definition of 19 minutes isn't the same as yours. So for you to have the anti-venom, for somebody to get bit by a snake and you say, you know what, I think the anti-venom would be offensive to them. That's not really where I want to go with this. Like that doesn't work. You got 19 minutes. There's one way out. And with Jesus, we hold the anti-venom for death and life apart from God for all eternity. It's, it's not insensitive. It's murderous to hold that and not tell people. We step into God's presence. We step into what God wants to do in the world as we take this message where Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. We take that and we spread that for people who need to hear it. That's our mission. That's one of our house rules that we're going to take the exclusive things that Jesus says where he says he is the only way and we're going to go everywhere possible with that. And we're going to do that even to the point where people are going to be angry with us, where people are going to resist us. People are going to say that's intolerant. And we're going to do that because Jesus tells us to do that. And then he models that out through the rest of the Bible about how that happens and where that changes lives and shapes life with. So he says, I am the way. He also says, I am the truth. I am the way to know God. Verse eight, another disciple asks him, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. And Jesus says, have I been with you all this time? And yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? He's saying, I'm the truth. It's no metaphors. He's saying, I'm God with skin on. You want to learn about who God is and how God looks at people and how, treat, how God treats people. We're going get, to get, get back to that in a little bit. Then look at me. He also says, I'm the life. He says, I'm the way to a hope that doesn't ignore trouble. And that way to hope is only through Jesus. Everything else is temporary. So what does God do for us in the meantime? If everything's going to eventually end with God and everything here that we're going to go through, it's only temporary. What is he, how does he get us to that point? What's the answer for us who are like, what do we do here? How will we escape from being stuck here? Jesus gives us his presence, which doesn't ignore our situation. It doesn't ignore our situation. It's not, it's not just information. It's invitation into a relationship with God. It's invitation into the presence of God living inside of us. Following verse, Jesus continues to talk. He says, don't you believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but by my father who lives in me and does his work through me. He said, I'm going to continue to live. In, I'm going to do work through you. Okay, well, well what's that going to look like? How's that going to take shape? How's that going to change my life? Verse two or verse 12, he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same work I have done and even greater work because I am going to be with the father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the son can bring glory to the father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Okay, that's where our hope is. 
that Jesus who says that he's the only way, he's the only truth, he's the only life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He's the one who sits at the, at the next, next to God in heaven and hears us and sees us. And the reason that we can take hope from that, the reason that that can have an effect and an impact on the way that we do life now is the way that we see Jesus interacting with people back in his day. So all throughout this book that we're in, John, who's written by an eyewitness of Jesus, somebody who walked around and saw these things happen and then written it, wrote it down so that people years and years after can believe it, he sees these things. He says, this is how God is. And so we rewind the book back to John chapter three. And Jesus meets a guy who's grown up in church all his life. And all of a sudden now he has questions. He doesn't understand how Jesus is doing things that's totally different from his tradition and totally different from the way that he grew up understanding things. And Jesus answers his questions. Jesus doesn't kick him out for having questions and not knowing everything about everything there is to be known. He welcomes him in his weakness. He welcomes him in his moment of doubt, in his moment of God, what do you do here? After that, there's another time where Jesus is going through a city and there's a woman who's there because she wants nobody else to see her. She's going to get heavy jugs of water in the middle of the day in the desert. She doesn't want relationships with anybody. She wants to be unseen and not noticed, but Jesus notices her. And so this person who thinks she is outcast to everyone, people, God, everyone, nobody wants any business with her. She finds the love and acceptance and joy and mercy and grace of Jesus. So if Jesus did that then, he's going to continue to do that today. After that next chapter, there's a guy who hasn't, who's had physical problems for 38 years. And Jesus comes in and Jesus brings healing to him. Why? Because that's what God still wants to do in us, through us, to us, around us. As we say, okay, God, this is where I need you to move in my life. You didn't just give me information. You gave me your presence because you want to continue to work in my life. Next chapter after that, there's a bunch of people. There's about 20,000 people. They've been there for a long time listening to Jesus and they're hungry. And so Jesus takes a little boy's snack and he uses it to feed 20,000 people because God continues from this book, continues to step into our life, into the areas where like, okay, I've got nothing left and I still need a miracle. And Jesus shows up and he does it as a reminder that to say, I did it then, I will continue to do it. Chapter after that, Jesus' people, they're in a storm. They don't know what they're going to do. And Jesus goes out walking to them. They're in a boat. He's on the shore. So he walks on the water to get to them, to remind people that when you need my presence, you will find my presence. After that, there's somebody who's caught in sin. They are absolutely stuck to the point where their back life, their hidden life is no longer hidden. Everyone can see it. And so what happens? Jesus comes in. And he says, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. I'm leading you into new life to remind us that as we start this year, if there's stuff in our past, we don't want people to know about Jesus already knows about it. And what he's doing is he's saying, I want to lead you out of that. I want to lead you to something better so that you never go back again. Chapter after that, what happens is Jesus restores sight to blind people. After that, he raises a man from the dead. After that, he predicts his own death. He dies exactly that way. And then he rises from the dead three days later to remind us that he has victory over everything imaginable in this earth and above this earth. God is king and Jesus is sent by God to direct us to God. That's what Jesus does. He gives us his presence, which doesn't ignore our situation. That's why it's great to look at the life of Jesus, about the things that he says that can't be said by anybody else. 
where he says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then we come to God and we experience the fact that God has been drawing us all along. That where we've got emptiness, where we've got needs, where we've got areas in your life, in mine, where there's brokenness and we need Jesus to move in, he is moving faster to those areas than we could ever imagine. That it's more grace, it's more redemption, it's more freedom, it's more new life than we could plan for ourselves. That everything inside of us that says, I can't be part of that, I can't experience this love of God, I'm too bad, I'm too old, I'm too young, I'm too whatever, God says, no, you're not that way for me. You're not that way for me. And so what's our house rule? Our our house rule is that redemption and forgiveness from sin only happens through Jesus. We are served way better than we deserve. We are loved way better than we deserve. And that happens only because God can say, unlike anybody else, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're here today and you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, that invitation from Jesus is still just as real today as it was back then. And if you're here and you are a Christian, you've done that. What's the next step? It's to continue to walk into that, continue to bring areas of our life to Jesus because he is still the way. Our background, our knowledge, our understanding about how God works is not the way to a relationship with God. It's Jesus. And how do we begin that? How do we come to Jesus? How do we experience that from Jesus? In humility, in brokenness, in asking, in simply bringing our troubles to Jesus and say, okay, God, you're not going to ignore my troubles. You're going to give me answers that mean something. You're going to leave me with your presence. So that even regardless of what happens with you, it's going to be better than without you. And through that, Jesus changes the world. Through that, Jesus changes our hearts individually so we can go into our homes, so we can go into our jobs, so we can go into our schools and see that difference duplicated through us because God has always had a pattern of using his people broken, messed up, but dependent on him to change everything. Let's stand and let's pray.